Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, no doubt you've heard all the noise for a few years now about brands becoming publishers, creating newsrooms and diving headlong into content marketing and brand funded content. News Corp's commercial content boss, Mike Conahan says it's a $2 billion sector right now, growing at circa 20%. David Jones is one company that now sees itself as a publisher. DJ's head of marketing communications, Georgia Hack, says the retailer has redistributed a good slab of its marketing investment into content production with changes to the paid media mix. DJ's is using content right through the customer purchase funnel, and we'll unpack a bit of that shortly. But what hasn't been known until very recently is what the people, shoppers, consumers, really think about brands doing their own content. News Corp has just completed a landmark study on this for Australia, and there's some very instructive insights, like 75% of Australians say they engage with branded content every week. But there remains plenty of tension in all this, including the perpetual in-housing debate. How much should be inside an organisation? How much should be done with external specialist partners? And what does good look like in a hybrid model where it's a bit of both? So today we have some smart marketing and content people to talk through what works and where this game is going. On the mics is, as I've said, uh, David Jones, Georgia Hack, News Corp's Mike Conahan, and Nick Smith, Group Content Director at Medium Rare, which works closely with David Jones, among a stack of others, on its content marketing program. Welcome to you all. And to Georgia, first, um, you're pretty open about David Jones being a publisher today, and not just for DJs. You're producing a whole lot for your suppliers and partners. So in, in a nutshell, Georgia, what are you doing and uh, on the content front, and why? And welcome. Thanks, Paul, and great to be here. So about three years ago, we embarked on a content transformation journey, which was really born out of the desire to create more meaningful connections with our customers, to understand them more intimately, to inspire them with the products, brands and services that we offer. And we sort of undertook this journey in, in sort of four key phases. So the first phase was really around understanding our audience segments more intimately a deep diving into their sort of customer purchase behaviour, but also understanding what inspires them and, and sort of what why shop David Jones. We then sort of invested in our own capability to be able to talk to that audience. So that was really in regards to building up our owned channels, um, re-looking re -looking, re at our paid media mix, um, and really with the purpose of significantly growing our reach. Um, we then spent a lot of time with uh, the Medium Rare team and some of our other partners on a content program and strategy that was really around talking to the customer about the right products, brands, stories um, that were relevant to them um, within the right channels. And last but not least, um, our brands or our brand partners have really seen the benefits of this journey. Today, we work with many of our brand partners very closely to ensure that their story or their content is translated to our customer base through, through those right channels. So it really has been um, an incredible journey and one that we're still on today and, and one that we hope that will grow in time. 
What was the triggers, uh, Georgia, for you even starting out three years ago on this? Why did you feel like you needed to go there in a bigger way, in a better way? What was it? We looked at our brand purpose and our brand purpose has been to inspire like no other. So if we if we sort of go back to why we exist and, and who we are as David Jones, inspiration comes in many forms. It comes through a fantastic experience within our store environment, but in the digital space, it actually exists within storytelling and within content. And if you're going to inspire someone, you have to tell them a story. You can't just, um, I guess, expect that a, a price or a promotion will, will be um a way in which they will engage with you. So we knew from the get-go that if we were going to inspire like no other, um, particularly within the digital environment, we had to to focus on content as a major play. Is it working? It must be. You're still doing it. It's, there must be something in this content thing, Georgia. <laughs> um, absolutely. I think we've seen, I guess, the engagement or the success with, with our brand partners, um, but we've been able to work, particularly with Medium Rare over the last three years, on honing in on, on some key um, some key kind of content platforms. So one is Jones. We launched Jones as a printed publication, and now right. it exists as like an omni-channel solution for our our customers. So yes, it is a printed magazine, but it also is a blog on our website. It's a pillar in our email content strategy. It's a pillar on social. It's become, um, and of course, um, when all of our stores are open, which I'm sure they will be uh, very soon, um, when you when you visit a store, Jones exists within the in-store environment. So we've really been able to sort of evolve that platform um, over time. Jones targets our Lux and Trend customer, and it sort of exists to edit and curate. The customer is overwhelmed with choice. And what we need to do is obviously narrow that choice down and really talk to them in a compelling way that allows them to be inspired by by David Jones. How does it work? So there's great ongoing debate, a bit like the in-housing discussion, Georgia. Uh, There's always debate circulating around where content fits in the customer purchasing funnel how did it where did it start for you is it changing and and how do you view that that content funnel or the purchasing funnel with content and what it does we currently think around about content in the purchasing funnel in that sort of consideration stage and we use content i guess across the funnel but where we really invest most of our dollars is in consideration based on the note that the customer is overwhelmed with choice. Um, and if they're really going to consider David Jones, we need to talk to them about the brands that we offer, the trends that we might delivering, the newness of product. So when they're considering um, a wardrobe update or an update in their beauty regime, we we, we really, I guess, hone in on, on content to, to drive that consideration. And then we we basically know that once we've they consider David Jones, that that lower funnel conversion will 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 be more effective. We also use content obviously at the top of the funnel, but the way in which we talk to the customer in terms of awareness um, is quite different to the stories we tell in the consideration phase. Fascinating when you talk about working with suppliers and partners that are in your stores on the content front. That's massive. What what are you doing for them? How much do you do? And how this is part of your retailer media strategy, I guess. But that's a big that's a big call to be able to sort of generate and produce content for a bunch of suppliers. Is, is it how much of a project is that? Within any year, we plan out our content program. And within that content program, we have different brands that we work with um, that might want to convey different messages. So, for example, our Christmas content plan, 
or content program, we have um, a, a huge array of brands that, that are involved in that. Everyone from wanting to talk about festive dressing to people that want to sort of talk about gift ideas or brands that might want to um, convey a gift type message for our customers. So for each content program, we'll, ha- we'll attract different brands who will want to want to sort of get involved. As I mentioned before, our content is very much driven by the customer. So if we are targeting our trend customer, we'll have the brands that target though that trend segment want to engage with us to, to sort of tell their story to our customer base. Is it generated, this content that you do with your partners, is it inside DJs or is it in partnership with Medium Rare or others? How does it, how, how does that actually logistically work? So uh, we have a, a hybrid model, as, as you were sort of mentioning before. We have worked with Medium Rare on a number of years. They, they helped us launch our Jones platform, as I mentioned, um, and we now work with Medium Rare across a number of our content platforms, but we also work with other with other partners as well. Um, and we found that hybrid model really to work within our internal teams. We have, um, you know, art directors, copywriters, graphic designers that work to sort of take all of the content that Medium Rare produce um, and and create the right message to the right customer using the right channel. Um, but we definitely definitely rely on that hybrid approach because you get the best of both worlds. You get the best of that internal thinking and then you get that out-of-the-box thinking that can come from, from the agency model as well. Got it. And so what are a couple of standout projects that you've done that you're sort of happy to, you know, pin to the wall and go, it works? So I keep coming back to Jones um, because it really has been something that we started as a print publication and we've really evolved it, as I mentioned, into this sort of omni-channel ecosystem across online, in-store, print, paid digital, email, website, social. Jones reaches over 6 million um, sort of touch points, so that's not unique, but um, the reach of Jones is not just that print publication anymore and whilst we know and we love print for what print does in terms of its long-form content and engagement with that um, sort of high-value customer we don't underestimate the power of Jones within within the sort of digital space so I've got some stats here which are interesting 70% of the content that we produce for Jones we repurpose for digital um, we have a very high sell-through rate of the products featured um, and 59% of our customers we do these post-purchase surveys feel more positively about David Jones after reading Jones magazine. So I think it does an equity job as well as um, obviously that consideration um, role too. Six million touch points. So broadly, the audience would be sitting somewhere between what, two and three million is, I mean, I'm pulling a number out of the hat there, uh, Georgia, just to provoke, but what would you say would be the audience number that you're actually, you know, you've got potential reach to? So the audience um, differs by channel, obviously. Um, Our audience growth, um, you know, online, we're, we're, you know, in double digit growth all the time. Our social media growth um, over the past 12 months in terms of engagement is up at you know plus 50 percent on last year so consistently growing our audience across each of our channels obviously in in different ways and we look at not only reach which is obviously very important but engagement and that social engagement figure is really important to us because it obviously you can always produce content and and I think we'll get onto this later any brand can produce great content or can produce content but the content needs to resonate and the consumer needs to be engaged with it. 
Mike Conaghan, uh, what George is doing at David Jones, um, how is that a signpost to the broader market on content? What are the sort of the big developments that you're seeing and the challenges actually in what seems to be a very fast-growing sector? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, the, the world's moved on and content is um, is there's an insatiable appetite out there, um, not from just consumers but also marketers. Um, we've been helping brands become publishers in their own channels for for many years and we do it for some you know some some of Australia's most iconic brands you know such as David Jones but also for for Coles and for Woolies and and for Bunnings and for for many many more I mean we've got a commercial content business of more than 100 million dollars which we intend and we think we will double in growth uh, over the next few years because of that um, insatiable appetite for for content. Um, we we come from a content background. I mean, we are the storytellers uh, and, you know, the, the, the content is now um, so varied. You know, our podcast business is booming at the moment. Um, video is becoming much more important. Um, the written word is always going to be really, really important. Uh, and we've got a vast array of content creators because that's where we've come from, right? That That is our that is our history that is our what we do every day we are a content business uh, and helping um, brands uh, become publishers but the other thing we know Paul is we also know how to monetize um, content you do I've heard that about News Corp yeah and helping helping brands um, monetize their own content um, often brands don't want to do that um, but in a, in a lot of cases that's what they do do so if we can get um, you know clients and brands into a situation where um, their contents are almost paying for itself or maybe even making a profit. Um, wow, what an amazing uh, amazing service that we can provide. Um, and I think we're really well positioned to do that. Um, and more and more brands uh, are obviously really interested in content um, because there's a real desire and almost a demand out there in consumer land that um, they're expecting brands to serve to them some utility content that's going to help them make their lives easier. Um, it's really an expectation now. Versus what George has been talking about, uh, what she's doing at David Jones, is it similar across the board or are they all different brands taking different paths to how they get to generate and what they do with their, their, own, their, their own content? Look, obviously, every brand is going to be different, um, and certainly retail is um, is one area where you know there's there there is a huge need um, to keep on pumping content out into the into the marketplace and make sure that the you know it's timely, um, it's in the right place at the right time. Um, I think now, you know, we've been talking you know about the proliferation of media now for a couple of generations. Um, right. Yes. It's, it's it's become a thing, right? And big data. Um, it's not even the new black anymore. It's sort of an old old story. So um, the, the kind of data and understanding and level of insight that we've got at News along with our data partners uh, means that any client really should have their data strategy sorted out and be able to serve up content not only that is meaningful uh, and on brand, um, but is also done in a um, an accurate fashion, so you know, mm. not 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 interrupting people's days, but actually adding to it um, if they're doing it accurately, so accurately to the right people, right time, uh, and that timely in the timely manner. Um, but it's got to be good. At the end of the day, it's got to be good, right? And um, there's nothing worse than than seeing brands um, get it wrong or get the timing wrong uh, with their content. Well, do average, right? Try not to do average. Exactly, and, and, and people are expecting it. 
Um, the, the, the research that you referenced earlier, it's fascinating that, that people not only now expect it, um, they welcome it because um, mm. particularly if it's got that utility to it, um, that's going to help people through their day, help them make decisions and actually flatten out that purchase cycle for them and, and make it easier to make decisions uh, and putting fantastic, interesting, entertaining content in front of people, um, which is going to help them and inform them and entertain them um, and give them that dissonance that they've actually made the right choice um, is absolutely so powerful uh, for any brand. Well, it's interesting when George was talking about just the strategy for for her content and the, the whole notion around segmenting audiences, it's usually very much around advertising that you segment audiences and now it's around content and delivering content to segments that are bespoke. It's sort of almost a, a mirror of what the ad economy has been doing for you know a thousand years and it's now moving into content. That is all informed, I guess, from data, Mike or, or Georgia or Nick on that. How is the data inputs uh, influencing what happens now in content? Well, yeah, surprisingly, I think the way we, we do work now from a, a content agency point of view, everything's rooted in the data. Yes, there's that kind of creative lens and the editorial expertise behind it. And that's what we do as I guess people who have previously worked in the publishing world and moved um, to the agency world. But because of this rich data, we know what the consumers want this day or what they want you know in a month's time so before we even start the creative process around developing content we're looking at google trends seo trends um you know the some some clients give us you know their sales data so that we can build a richer content campaign going forward but it's as well as a creative uh, response it's very much an analytical and technical response based on all the data that we're getting from consumers very different world, isn't it? So, Mike, just um, on this on this research you talked about, News Corp has commissioned this big study on, on consumer attitudes towards brand-developed content. Why is that? It was just a dearth of understanding on what, what it was like from the consumer side. Is that why you did it? Yeah, it, it hasn't really been done uh, in Australia before. I think we're a little bit behind probably the States and maybe the UK in the understanding around um, marketing content or content marketing, commercial content. It's got many words, uh, many many descriptors. Um, and so between Medium Rare Suddenly and Storiation, who are all companies that are part of the new stable who help brands publish in their own channels, uh, we thought it was timely uh, to go out there and have the conversation with their consumers but also some very big brands um, about uh, what's going on in the content space because it, there is a boom. Um, all marketers are facing a chasm of content creation. They need the content to fill those channels for them. Um, and at News, we've got not only the content creators, we've got the people who can monetize it, but we've also got access to that data where we can actually go and build an audience um, for these brands to, to really go and publish um, to them uh, and bring their own data sets together. So it was a really timely um, dipstick into the market just to see where we're at um, as a marketing um, community um, and a supplier into, into those brands to help them become better uh, at content, uh, more targeted uh, at content, but really find out how the consumer was uh, interacting with that content to inform our strategies better and um, the the, um, the findings have been fascinating. Nick Smith, you're across the numbers on this. Um, what are the, some of the key points? And I know that you've got, you can't really talk about everything yet, but um, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. That's all right. I'll try and give you a bit of a taste. And, and look, to Mike's point, like a lot of the research that was done 
uh, in the industry was more from the marketer's point of view and what were their pain points. So there's there's lots of research to show that, you know, marketers, marketers are struggling with setting strategy for content. You know, how do they resource the team? So some of the things that Georgia spoke about and then how do they track performance? And I guess as agencies, you know, medium rare storiation, suddenly that's what we offer to clients. I think what we've seen with the growth of this category um, over the last six years is that internally there's these there's been growth of content teams alongside the brand teams within organizations and while they value or they can sort of see some I guess KPIs or attribution around content that it's driving sales at some point you know the content teams are up against the brand team looking for more investment and asking is this really resonating with the consumer and um, so that's why we embarked on this study right. and the results are pretty amazing so I think you mentioned Paul at the start like 50% of Australians are engaging with brand content every day, which is pretty, pretty, pretty cool, right? Um, 75% of Australians are engaging in, with it once a week. And if you look at the younger generation, so 18 to 24, it's up around 93% of that audience in, engaging. Oh, right. And I think, you know, to George's point about that, that purchase funnel where content is playing a role, we would have thought that it would have really, I guess, indexed highly in that consideration or exploration phase of, of people making decisions around what they buy. And that's absolutely true. It is. It's a really big force in helping them make decisions and also stopping them. When you're doing really premium content, you can stop your customer, but um, from looking at your competitors because they're starting to engage with you on more of an emotional level. But we did see um, that Aussies, is, about 70% of Aussies are using content to actually find out about brands and services. So it's a really powerful discovery tool now. And then at the bottom of the funnel, um, once someone's engaged with a piece of content in the last week, I think the fact is, is that 80% of Aussies will do something. So they'll share it for later. They'll... Um, They'll save it down and 34% of those will actually buy something. So right. it does work all the way down. And then if you keep doing it consistently, and that's what the research also said, is that Aussies really want brands to do it and they want it to do it well and that want, they want it to be always on. It can really drive advocacy and loyalty. So 60% of Aussies said we look forward to the brands that we love giving us more content. Nick and Mike, and what are some of the examples and learnings probably on where brand produced content has has kind of gone horribly wrong or terrifically right? Name the names, let's hear it all, let's get it all out there, and maybe Georgia might have a few oh dear moments herself, or maybe not, we'll find out. But what what, just some in terms of learnings, uh, good, bad, and ugly? Okay, well, look, I'll have to be a little bit cautious here. I'll go back to the research that, you know, 34% of Aussies said that. Um, brands were doing it well. So there's a whole lot of Aussies that think that brands have got a long way to, to go in terms of upping the ante in terms of um, brand content. We did get some insights about, okay, so if you're doing it well, what does that mean? Um, if you're doing it bad, what are the insights there? So, you know, some of the insights around, I guess, your disaster moments that you're looking for is that you need to stay in your lane. So, um, some of the respondents mentioned a beverage company that had a healthy lifestyle blog. Right. They yeah. really didn't have health as a key priority for their consumer. So that was seen as deceptive. Um, I think what I'm seeing across the board is, you know, companies and brands are having to start to talk about sustainability. And it's a really hard topic to tackle. Obviously, you know, um, 
you have to deal with the legal department or compliance in some respects as well. Um, and in that regard, it's, it's, it's hard to have an authentic conversation with your audience about what you're doing in that space. Um, but the response from consumers is that's okay. Like don't over egg it and don't just deliver me sort of legalese. Be open and say, hey, we're not there on sustainability, but we're making these small steps. So it's really, I think the outtake there is treating your consumer like they're a human and not a customer. Um, and I think that's kind of a lot of the stuff that we saw in the research that says, you know, actually form a relationship with your customer and you've got them for life. I think that the authenticity and the meaningfulness of the content that Nick just talked about is important. So if you're looking for some, you know, some skeletons in someone's closet, Paul, I remember always, always. years ago, um, I won't name the brand, but it was a beer brand, tried to appropriate um, Anzac Day and it absolutely blew back in their face. So just getting it fundamentally wrong where they're trying to, you know, sort of appropriate things that are just... It, it is not, an Anzac Day is not for a brand to take on. And it's interesting, today we're recording this um, on Are You OK Day? Um, and that's become an incredibly powerful brand, but it's a brand of the people. Um, at Are You OK Day, we are overwhelmed by corporates who want to become involved. But um, our first question is why? Uh, mm. And does it really actually fit with your, with our brand in Are You OK? But does it also fit with your brand? And I know today on Are You OK Day, there's going to be some brands out there sort of misappropriating um, the brand of Are You OK Day, and they'll do so at their own peril because, as as Nick said, the consumer uh, has become a marketer. They are smart, uh, and mm. they they understand what content marketing is. Uh, not only do they understand it, um, they expect it, um, they accept it, uh, and in some cases when they've got a relationship with a brand and they need that utility help in their lives, they, they demand it. Uh, and to get that wrong uh, is where brands um, sometimes go astray. Nick, Nick talked about 34% uh, of, of people saying that they uh, enjoy and rate uh, branded content. It does say that 66% of my maths is right, says that it's either average or shit. So basically uh, there's a lesson there, right, Mike, that says you've got you've to get your content right. Otherwise it's just going to go into the big ether of nothingness. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to start talking about, A, make it meaningful. Um, next, you know, make sure you're accurate. You know, don't don't interrupt people when they don't, you know, you know get the right people at the right time. You know, the, the, the data is there for you to do the right thing around your consumer uh, and, and, and so make it accurate and timely. Um, but the other thing is make it good. You know, I mean, the, the, the power of, um, of that content is, uh, is amazing. Um, the power of creativity that you can bring to bear uh, and the, the different levels and, and different mediums that you can, that you can talk to people now, um, you've got to make it good. Um, and so that's why, why I think we've got a real strength uh, through news because, you know, we, we've, we are, that's what we do. We're content creators. That's our core business. Georgia, it must be a temptation, though, uh, to, to, you know, in terms of what Mike's talking about there, Mike and Nick, about making it good. 
there's a temptation all the time for volume to pump stuff out. So how do you how do you manage that? You know, at, at DJs and making try, trying to the the stress test or the test of this is going to land. What what informs those those decisions on on the content you create? So absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I mean, one is is the checking in on the customer and making sure that we're consistently. Um, learning and understanding how the customer's shifting and changing. COVID's been a key part of that, um, recognising that people are at home more, talking to them in ways that are relevant to them and having that sort of authentic conversation. And two is interrogating uh, the creativity and the story. And we do that um, on a very regular basis at David Jones. We have, you know, three standing meetings a week where we interrogate every single thing that is going out um, on our owned channels, on our paid channels, on all the work that's coming up, you know, in, in the future. We're working through Christmas at the moment, for example, um, and interrogating every every piece of content that's shot, every film that's created, every story that we're saying and making sure that we are landing, um, you know, a, a great message that we know the customer will engage with. What about that oh dear moment, Georgia? Is there any of those you want to talk about of, oh, we we could have done that better? I've actually got a a good oh dear moment. I would love um, to. Which is more around, um, I guess, what Nick and and Mike were talking about before in terms of authenticity and and being true to, um, I guess, who we are as David Jones, but also true to, I guess, where the customer's at. So last year, we launched what we called a mindfully made platform. Mm. This was an opportunity to give the consumer um, a way to shop David Jones by their values. So we created five sustainable values, um, which we interrogated and worked with a number of our brands to sort of um, label into each of those those sort of values, being uh, community-minded, um, kind to animals, Australian-made. And we created this online platform that enabled the consumer to shop by their values and worked with Medium Rare on this great content program that really engaged the consumer on that. We were overwhelmed with, with the results on, on that campaign. I mean, we know sustainability is a, is a key um, value of a lot of consumers, um, but we were sort of overwhelmed not only in the engagement on the content, in the brand engagement at our end, how many brands came forward to us wanting to share their stories about how that improved their factory processes or how they'd changed the way in which they were, um, you know, working with, with, with different um with different designers, for example, um, and 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 then from a sales perspective, we, the consumer was was you know very engaged and wanted to sort of um, you know buy buy those brands that were living by those values. So we were yeah really overwhelmed, and we we update this platform all the time. You had brands aligned to each of those values. Is that what happened? Absolutely. Brands and products. So, um, you know, right. some brands might do specific ranges within their collection that ladders up to different values. Other brands could be, um, you know, just manufacture in Australia. And it's amazing how many brands actually do that today. And to, to for us as David Jones to be the platform to share that with an audience that is truly engaged um, and who then wants to shop by their values was, yeah, super powerful. So that was an idea moment where we knew it was a big trend, but we didn't really understand how how engaged the consumer was. 
Well, that's probably more an oh well moment than an oh dear moment, I would say, Georgia. That was a good news story in the end. But I take your point. It's a good one, a really good one. And the fact that, that, that I think you said sales went crazy, right? Have you got some numbers there? I think you've talked about it before. The, the volume was up. Can you talk about that? We did We did have some fantastic results across the board from all of the brands that, that were sort of involved. So, um, yeah, we, we, were, we were really, really happy with you're not going to go there, fair enough. I tried. I did try. So listen, I just really interested. Um, we're going to wind this up very quickly. But when when Nick and, and Mike were talking about data, how is data very quickly used to inform what you're doing in content? Because it's um it's kind of obviously a big input. So we use um, data all the time in terms of informing content. As I mentioned before, everything sort of starts with the customer and understanding um, their shifts, how they're moving. We have sort of four key segments at David Jones um, where we're constantly checking in in on them. And with any program of uh, content program that we create, we look at the, the PIR results from last year. We're looking at the updated customer data. And as Nick mentioned, we have so many inputs as well. We have macro trends. We have search data as well from Google. Um, to really inform what we're doing. We've looked for Christmas. I'm sure many retailers do this and understand the search peaks um, in the lead up to Christmas to ensure that we're talking to the customer at the right in the right week when, you know, when people are searching for a Christmas tree, they need to, you know, have David Jones at the, at the top of their list. So we're making sure that we're talking to them at the right times. I want to get into very quickly the the in housing discussion because it just it's perpetual. Mike, um, in out hybrid, some learnings there, and you, you you too you do have a view that sometimes the in housing uh, teams can be a little bit uh, restrained or bound by the, the demands that are on them. Um, just your thoughts, uh, Mike, on on where that's where that's at now and what you're seeing amongst your clients and how they're tackling that structurally. Obviously, coming from news um, of all the. Our clients, we're the only people who turn up to do one thing every day and that's create content. Um, but we partner with all of our clients and, and there's different models. Some go for the hybrid model where they've got people internal. And, and I think that's most brands, you know, do have some kind of internal resource, particularly around social. Um, and other clients have got quite big in-house teams, but still... Uh, supplement that work uh, with us uh, outside of that. Um, we do have access to some pretty amazing data and audiences, obviously, um, back on the news side of, of the world. Uh, and I think some pretty deep insight and understanding of what makes Australians tick. So um, there's a good reason to come to us. But uh, none of those clients um, have as their core business um, content creation. Um, they, they, they come to work for other reasons. But that's not to, to say that they aren't fantastic at also creating their own content. Where we can help them is to to really um, build their strategy, build their build them into publishers. Um, you know, by what the the, the the I'll just pause. The I said it before the the desire uh, for content, both from accepting of it by consumers, but the 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 clients themselves facing a chasm of actual content delivery and creation. Uh, means that they've they've got to come to uh, to experts. We have facilities, you know. We we have, you know, if you're working in food, there's no doubt that you would have been through our commercial kitchens uh, in Alexandria at some point. Um, you know, we are pumping out a huge amount of content uh, in the food space. When travel comes back, we'll be doing the same thing, and we and we continue to do that for the likes of, um, you know, Tourism Australia and uh, and all the state based um, tourism authorities. Uh, we do an enormous amount of um, 
print work. We do enormous amount of audio work. We do enormous amount of digital work. Uh, and we also do, we increasingly do more video work. Uh, and to be able to deliver that right. for clients, um, we've got our own internal agency, advertising agency at News, um, but we don't do all of the work that News does. Um, we still use external suppliers as well. Um, the danger for the internal teams, of course, is that um, they're internal to the client organisation and they become um, you know, a little bit trapped uh, within that organisation because um, their clients who are uh, working with them as colleagues might be seen as hostages rather than clients. Um, right. And uh, having an external view, I think, is really valuable for clients. Um, it's a perspective from outside the organisation um, which can really help with their strategy. But the real power of us is that, you know, we're, we're born in the newsroom, we are the storytellers and what we do every day is turn up to make content. It's interesting you say that. I think IAG talked uh, last year on on their learnings from an in, the in, their their development of their in house studio was that they literally had to put some walls down and to say to their colleagues, "This is what you can use us for, and this is what you can't," because they were starting to get people going. Can you build the PDF or can you build a a, um, a presentation? Can you do you know a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't core to it? So you, you, it's a good point, uh, Nick. You've been abroad as well and here uh, in housing. You got any thoughts on the tension there or where which way it could and should go? I'm I'll talk about it from, I guess, the client's perspective. You know, what we are appreciating is that um, a lot of our clients now have content teams. So we're dealing and and building relationships with clients um, and individuals who understand what our role is, where particularly if you might have just been, I guess, reporting to an internal brand team, you know, they've got some different viewpoints of what the value of content is. So we absolutely love that sort of hybrid model where we've got a, you know, a group um, of individuals within a business who understand the power of content. I think what is really nice and something I've seen since coming back to Australia in the last six months is just how high, I guess, content agencies have gone up the ranks in terms of like a client's portfolio of agencies. So more and more, and I think this is this is the way the, you know, the industry should go, that we are being invited into, um, I guess, integrated agency briefs. So alongside above the line, um, PR, um, and I guess sales promotion, like content is being briefed at the right time. And that's showing, I guess, mm. that sort of change within organizations that they realize, yep, we've got to have above the line because that's our broadcast of our big message. But that message may not resonate in terms of search or what the customer's looking for. And that's where content comes into play to deliver a lot of other business objectives at the same time. Investment, Georgia, uh, you know, we talked about the, the, the change in the media mix and where, where money's going. What, 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 how do you see that in terms of the reallocation? Paid media versus content versus and beyond. So on the paid media side, we've we've done a lot of analysis and are constantly looking at learning in this space. We do find for different content segments, different channels work more effectively. So Facebook works really well for our sort of classic and mainstream customer, whereas Instagram is a very important channel for our sort of luxe and trend customer. But by constantly kind of using those learnings, we've been able to funnel more of our media dollars to, to certain channels based on, on the message that and the audience that we want to reach. In terms of our owned channels, our website, our email, um, our native social, we're constantly um, looking at ways to obviously ensure that that audience is engaged first and foremost, and be driving the reach of, of all of those channels through, through many tactics. So I wouldn't say, I mean, our 
our paid media mix has shifted over time to to really ensure that the content is getting to the right customer within the right channel at the right time. Um, And it's a constant evolution for us. So, Paul, one of the things uh, about how important this content is, and I'll just give you a few examples. So Coles and Woolies both produce a magazine, uh, which now both more than 4 million Australians pick up every edition. And if you look at those magazines, they are amazing um, pieces of work, you know, fantastic utility content that people are really leaning into to the fact that, you know, there's more than 4 million copies of these in each of those outlets. And that's a real, uh, a really positive extension of their brand. But the very best example of that that I could, and I just thought of it, is Qantas. So we produced the Qantas magazine. They, Qantas as an organisation, took a decision to keep on publishing through the pandemic. And they're one of only two airlines in the world who have continued to publish their magazine. Clearly, they're not flying. And clearly, those magazines are not going into the back seat, the back of an aeroplane seat. But they're producing it and sending it to their frequent flyer customers who love it, who are writing back to them and thanking them that they can continue to dream and continue to plan and continue to think about what they might do when this is all over. And so and as an extension of their brand, there's no better way just to believe that, wow, okay, that's content. That is content marketing at its absolute purest. It's, con- it's continuing the connection, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. So great point, and I didn't know that. So um, uh, I'm going to go and find those magazines. I love them. Uh, so to wrap up, just give us a, each of you a couple of just really quick key watchouts uh, for the market and, and for the next twelve months. What, what's what should be on everybody's radar just to be mindful of? Um, Nick, I'll start with you. Uh, a couple of watchouts. I think it's focusing on doing it well. I think, you know, to some of George's points, there is a huge demand for the consumer around brand content and brands are leaning into it. I think what you need to be able to do is prioritise in a given month where you are focusing content and where, um, I guess, another marketing response could work. Because, you know, in any month, a brand that we work with might be talking to, I guess, new season or Father's Day or um, price promotion, etc. You know, content's not right for all of those things and it might be a different kind of content. So I think it's managing um, the right response for the right, um, I guess, campaign or business objective and, again, the right channel and reaching the right consumer. Got it. Georgia, a um, couple, of, couple of pointers for your marketing peers. Yeah, I think it kind of comes back to knowing your customer, knowing your brand purpose, and then maintaining uh, differentiation in your content. Because um, with COVID, for example, access to talent, access to photographers, access to um, you know unique storytelling is limited because our borders are shut. So it's the way in which you tell the story or the message in which you're going to talk to the customer about is 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 super important. So I think having that unique point of view, having that difference in point of view, is um, is what the customer is looking for, and constantly pushing the creative um, to make it more compelling and more exciting and more engaging. And the last thing is to be optimistic. I think the consumer out there wants content to inspire and they they use content to, right. you know, take a break from the news cycle that is, you know, um, you know sometimes a, a little bit down uh, at, mm. at the moment. So um, using content to inspire and create that positivity with, with consumers is, is one that we always really look to. 
Great, Mike. Final final thoughts, Mike? I love what Georgia there has said about the optimism and inspiration because I would say to brands, um, don't wait. We're starting to hear um, about this lockdown being lifted and us being free. And I think there will be an explosion of consumerism. Everybody's um, been locked up and 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 chained down and I for one I'm going to get out there and I'm going to enjoy myself so um, get your content plans ready uh, and be ready for an explosion in people having some fun this summer because I think once um, those restrictions come off um, the consumer will go crazy uh, and be out there having a good time so be ready. I'm going to be one of the crazy ones. Amen to that. Georgia Hack, Mike Conahan, Nick Smith. Great conversation. Um, thanks for joining. Stay safe. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.